Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. But this I know with all my heart, His wounds have paid my ransom. But this I know with all my heart, His wounds have paid my of spring, every creature unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name, you are amazing God. Awestruck we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim You are amazing God Please stand your feet as we sing Who has told every lightning bolt where it should go Or seen heavenly storehouses laid in snow the sun and give source to its light, yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night, none can fathom, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name, you are amazing We fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim You are amazing God All-powerful, untamable All-struck we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim You are amazing God
just the ladies. For me it was in the garden He prayed not my will but thine He had no tears for his own grace But sweat drops of blood for strength be renewed as we recall 
what God has done and how we've seen Him move. If anybody here was found Him faithful, anybody here who knows He's able, say Anybody here who's seen His power Anybody here brought through the fire Say Amen Anybody here found joy in the midst of sorrow Peace in the storm and hope for tomorrow And you've seen it time and time again Just say Amen. Sometimes through the darkness, it gets hard to see. But be bold and courageous and follow where He leads. Greater is the one who's in us than he who's in the world. So, child of God, remember the battle is the Lord's. If there's anybody here who's found him faithful, anybody here who knows he's able, say If there's anybody here who's seen His power, anybody here brought through the fire, say Amen. Anybody here found joy in the midst of sorrow, peace in the storm and hope for tomorrow, and you've seen it time and time again, just say Anybody here who knows he's able, say amen. If there's anybody here who's seen his power, anybody here brought through the fire, say amen. Anybody here found joy in the midst of sorrow, Peace in the storm and hope for tomorrow And you've seen it time and time again Just say Just say amen. Hey, Yins ain't got to quit clapping because I got up here. Thank you.
Well, good evening, Miss Roberta. All right, seven of you are smiling, we're good to go. I figure on a Sunday evening in a Baptist church, if you can get 8% of the people present to smile, you've done something, so we're good to go. James chapter 3, James chapter 3, the first 12 verses this evening, the terrible tongue or the blessing of words, the terrible tongue or the blessing of words. We continue in the book of James this evening. We find ourselves on the second half of a sermon on the tongue from James chapter 3. Now last week we just kind of scratched the surface on the first few verses. And tonight we're going to continue to look and and we're going to get through the last few verses. And specifically we'll be starting in verse 7 and running through verse 12 tonight. But we are going to kind of look at the whole thing because it does all fit together real nicely as one piece of scripture. You just, if I tried to preach it all in one sermon, it would be extremely long. And I know how you guys fall asleep in the evenings on long sermons. So I said, we better split this up. Now let's, uh, let's keep in mind where we're at to this point. We have established that James is writing to the believers. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to, to the church and the church has been persecuted. It's been scattered from Jerusalem. It's been spread about Uh, Through all the persecution that was going on in Rome and all those things, the church has been scattered about, they've been pushed out, and so they've set up shop in the outskirts and the highways and the byways. They're far away from home. They're not able to gather together the way they were. They're not able to stay as comfortable as they once were. And so as they're scattered about, James is writing this letter, and it's a faith in action type of letter. A faith in action. That's the title of this whole series is Faith in Action. In action. And James is really wanting to hammer home the point of basically, if you are a Christian, if you're a believer, this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to act. This is how you're going to respond. This is where you're going to be. This is what a believer looks like in these situations. As James writes this letter to us, he's calling us really to examine ourselves. He's saying, what I want you to do is I want you to look to yourself and ask yourself, am I living according to how a Christian should live? And more importantly, if I am not, why? So if I'm not living according to how a believer ought to live, then I need to ask myself, why am I not living according to the Scripture? James has dealt with some crazy difficult subjects. He's talked about how do we respond to troubled times? How do we respond to trials? How do we respond to temptations? How do we respond when we hear the Word of God and the Word of God is counter to what we are doing? Do we respond in humility or are we quick to become angry at what we've heard from the Word of God? Do we respond with change and conformity to what the Word says or do we continue in pride to do our own thing? He talked about money. He talked about how we deal with one another. We talked about the fact that if we could ever learn to stop showing favoritism based on the way someone looks or what we think someone should be, that so many of the problems in this world that we deal with so mightily today would simply go away if the people could just get to the book of James, open it up and realize that God is no shower of favoritism. He doesn't have favorites. His grace is sufficient for all. Therefore, as believers, we ought not have favoritism. We ought to see everyone in the same vein. But 
Last week, we got into a difficult subject, and we began to talk about what we do with our mouths. What do we say? What do we do with our tongue? And what does that say about us? So please stand this evening in honor of the reading of the holy, infallible, and errant words of our holy God from James chapter 3, and we'll read together the first 12 verses. My brethren... Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boast great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast, of bird, of reptile, of creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh, let us pray. Father God, we come to you humbly this evening as we know how. We thank you for your spirit's presence so far. And we ask that you would just dwell among us a little while longer, God. God, we pray that you would bind any spirit from this place that ain't your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And that you would change our lives, draw us nearer to you. And that as we hear from your word, we would conform to your word. That we would be obedient to your word. And that we would respond to your word, God. God, we promise you we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all you do and all of God's people said. And you may be seated. Now last week as we looked at the first few verses, the idea was basically introduced. If we're going to speak about the Word of God, if we're going to teach the Word of God, then we better recognize that teachers are going to be held to a stricter judgment. If you're going to teach, you need to be prepared. If you're going to handle the Word of God, you need to handle the Word of God in obedience to God. If you're going to teach the Word of God, you best recognize that if you're teaching in an effort to puff yourself up, if you're teaching in an effort to make yourself look smart, to make yourself known among men, to make yourself shine, to make yourself the spotlight, then you are putting yourself in a dangerous position because teachers are held to a stricter judgment. Now, it, it doesn't say in any way that we're not to teach. That would be contradictory to Scripture. Scripture says in the Great Commission, we're to go out and share the gospel. Throughout the Bible, we see it suggested that anyone who is a believer is a preacher of the Word of God. We're all to be out teaching. And so if James says a teacher is held to a stricter judgment, not many of you should teach, but the Word of God says if you're a believer, you should teach, how do we reconcile that together? And we said that the idea is that we are to recognize the power of our teaching, recognize the power in our words, when we claim to, rep to represent the Word of God, we have to realize what we represent. 
And we have to make sure that we're teaching accordingly to Scripture, that we're putting the spotlight on Jesus and never on ourselves, never to puff ourselves up, but always to glorify God. We looked at the idea that, that we struggle with our tongues outside of teachers. We all struggle with our tongues, that we all have these problems, and that if we could ever gain control of our tongues, we could gain control of our whole entire bodies because the tongue is kind of a reflection of the rest of us. And so we, if we could ever just gain control of our tongue, we could bridle the rest of our body. We looked at the examples that James gave us about horses and, the, and the, the bits in the horse's mouth and how laying on the tongue, that bit steers the horse. We talked about the little rudder on the big ship and how it steers the big ship. And we said just like that, just like those small parts of those large bodies, our tongue drives us as well and directs us and is a reflection of who we are. It does big things, both positively and negatively. Our tongue does big things, both positively and negatively. I'm reminded of when I first, when we first had Kaysen, which seems like ages ago, but it wasn't that long ago. It was only nine years ago. When we first came home with Kaysen, and somebody gave me a book. And it was one of those, you know, silly little books that says something about daddy and me or something. And so I read it and I cried because I'm a crier. And as I read this book, I came across the last page of this book. And the author of the book wrote these words, and they changed my life. Too bad they didn't change it as often as they should have. But when I think of these words, it really, really impacts me. The words were this. It said, I realized that in everything I do, I am influencing my son. Everything I do, I'm influencing my son. So that means if he sees me fly off the handle and get angry, I'm influencing him to fly off the handle and get angry. If he sees me hit my knees and pray in a bad situation, then I'm influencing him to hit his knees and pray in a bad situation. The same way with the tongue. The tongue is going to do huge things. That's a given. The little member is going to do huge things. It's going to happen. The question is, what are the things you're going to do with your tongue? Are they going to be positive? Or are they going to be negative because it's going to do big things? And so this week as we look to the last five verses, beginning in verse 7, the first thing I want us to notice is that we cannot tame our tongues apart from God. We cannot tame our tongues apart from God. Notice I didn't say that the tongue was untamable. I said that it was untamable apart from God. Verses 7 and 8 introduce us to this idea. James writes, every kind of beast, every kind of bird, every kind of reptile, every kind of creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Think of that really with me for a moment. We've got dogs, we've got cats, and they've been trained by people. My dog, your pastor's dog, can sit, can shake hands, can lay down, and can roll over. And his trainer is not very good at training dogs. And I've trained that dog to do all of those things. People train animals to do some crazy things. Dogs that jump through hoops. There's a show that comes on ESPN. Sometimes people have trained dogs to get a run and start, jump out over a pool trying to get this thing and just jump way on out yonder and hit the thing and come swimming out. My poor dog, I can't even get him to get to the dinner bowl without making a mess. But... People have trained these dogs to do these crazy things. People have trained cats to to do crazy, crazy things. 
But it goes bigger than that. People tame lions, don't they? People have tamed tigers. Oh my, I ain't never seen nobody tame a bear, but I bet they have. I've seen lions on stage. If you've ever been to a circus, son, you have seen giant elephants and all kinds of exotic animals doing what? What the man has trained them to do. you got this one dude, he's usually 4 foot 11, 93 pounds, and he's hollering out some command, and these great old big elephants are doing what he says do. We have birds. We've all seen macaws and toucans and parrots speak and talk and do all these things that people have trained them to do. I've seen on television, and it had to be on TV because if it happened close to me, I'd be gone, but I've seen on television a snake charmer tame, tame this snake to come up and sit on its tail and dance. Sea world, you'll see whales and dolphins and all kinds of sea creatures jumping up. You see what I'm saying? You get the idea, don't you? We've tamed all these animals. Now, all those animals are wild animals. All those animals are big animals. All those animals can be dangerous animals, yet man has tamed them. But look at verse 8 with me. What has man not tamed? He has not tamed his tongue. He can tame a dolphin, but he, he, can't, he can't tame this three-inch long muscle in his jaw. He can tame a tiger, but he can't get his mouth under control. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now, this was common in the Hebrew language, that they would speak of a little member or a little piece of the body and kind of use it as a reflection. So the Hebrew might, they might tell a story and they may begin to ter- talk about how the hand is such an evil hand. The hand is such a bad hand because it has stolen something from somebody. And they would focus in on the extremity and how bad it was. Now you and I know that's silly. The hand didn't do anything. The brain didn't tell it to do. And the brain didn't tell anything that wasn't at the core of the heart being driven. But the Hebrew language would focus on that extremity of the hand. And they'd kind of do that. James does that with the tongue here. He He says the tongue is an unruly evil. And it's full of deadly poison. And really what James is saying is not really just our tongue is an unruly evil. Not really just our tongue is unrighteous. He's really saying that we as people are full of poison. We're full of unrighteousness. Our, Our heart condition, our sin nature is where the problem is. And it manifests itself more often in the tongue. That's where it just kind of comes spitting out of us. We can't seem to shake not just the problem with our tongue, but we can't seem to shake our problem with sin. No matter how good we want to be, we just seem to continue to do the things we don't want to do. We've got a problem down deep inside of us called the flesh. And it manifests itself in our tongue. We have this heart condition. And this heart condition, I don't know about you guys, but my heart condition of sin sometimes makes my mouth open up and sin come out. Every once in a while, my mouth gets ahead of my brain. And even worse, sometimes my brain gets ahead of my mouth. But either way, when I open it, My heart condition goes on display with the things that come out of my mouth. Verse 9 says this. It says, We bless our God, our Father, but with it we curse men. That doesn't make sense, does it? I want you to think about it with me. What does Genesis say 
about mankind. It says that we are made in whose image? God. We are made in the image of God. Mankind is made in the image of God. And so essentially what James is pointing to us here is that when we bless God with our mouth and then turn around and curse men with our mouths, we are essentially cursing God because men are made in the image of God. Now think about that with me. We managed to come into the house of the Lord. We managed to say praises and shout praises and sing songs and then turn around and with the same very tongue curse God with the words we say to each other. I'm going to stop here for just a second. And just, I'm just going to say this. It seems to me that James recognized some of the very same problems that I still see in church today, quite frankly. We've got a tendency to do this to each other, don't we? I'm not just saying Rocky Valley. That's not what I'm saying. But can I just tell you that this tendency of people to bless God with their mouths and then turn around and curse each other with the same mouth drives me insane. It drives me absolutely batty crazy when these are the problems that we have to deal with inside the house of the Lord is people that say poisonous things to each other inside the house of God. The very same people we worship God together with were so quick to turn around and spit poison right back in their face. And it drives me insane biblically, not just personally. My kids drive me insane personally when they don't put their shoes up. That's a personal thing. But biblically, it worries me for the people of God when they spit poison at one another. And I'm going to tell you why biblically. The idea is this. We come together. We sing the songs. We say amen. We tell each other what a wonderful service it was. We praise Jesus for what a great service we had together. We tell each other, boy, that singing was on point today. Brother Jason brought his A game. Brother Jason Maul, that, that's going to be tricky. Brother Jason M, that message was on point, son. You was talking about the Holy Spirit of God and you got fired up and somebody got saved. Boy, that was a good service. I'm telling y'all what, in the house of the Lord, we praise the Lord today we lifted him above all other names and before we get out of the parking lot somebody turns to somebody else and spits poison in their face James dealt with it and thousands of years later we are still dealing with it we still open our mouths and feel the freedom to run each other in the ground why I don't know there are a lot of questions as your pastor that I try to make it my point to be able to answer. But this is one that I just cannot find an answer to. Somehow we feel like we have the authority to be demeaning to one another, to be downright mean to one another, to treat each other like junior high school kids occasionally. The kind of problems that Miss Emily has to deal with in grade school are the same problems that we have to deal with. I'm not just talking about Rocky Valley, by the way. Please don't think I'm talking about a situation that happened today. I'm not at all. I'm talking about in general with the people of God, how they treat each other. And so am I saying, though, that the people of God should never disagree? Of course not. Of course the people of God are going to disagree. Why? Because we're people. I don't even agree with everything that I do. Just being honest. But I am saying this. We should consider one another. And when we have conversations about disagreements, we should look to build one another up. 
and find a solution and never tear one another down. Because there is absolutely, positively, no, and I mean N-O, no, that's another Greek word I'm going to teach you. It means no. When I say there's no reason, I mean there's not any reason. There's no reason why people in the house of the Lord should ever tear one another down, even if they disagree. We can always find a solution where we build one another up. Does that mean I'm always going to get my way? Absolutely not. I'm not always going to get my way. But you know what's not important is whether or not I get my way. What matters is whether we be as obedient to God as we feel like we can be and that we treat each other the way that we ought to treat each other with our tongues. And so when you get ready to say that vicious thing to some fellow church member, here's what I want you to remember. It's what James wrote right here in Scripture. You're getting ready to curse God, not that church member. You're getting ready to curse your heavenly Father, not that other person. You may mean it against them, but you're cursing God because they're made in His image and they belong to Him. And so just think about that. And if you still want to do it, you still want to spit that poison out at them, go right ahead because something's up with your heart. Because there's no way you'd ever want to curse God. Now, biblically, let me show you why it bothers me so much when we see this happen. Look at the end of verse 10. What's he say? Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, what should they be? These ought not be. Quite frankly, God says these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water? And bitter? No. Can a fig tree bear an olive or can a grapevine bear a fig? No. Think about that illustration. If you have a cup of fresh water and you got a cup of salt water and you pour them into a container together, have you still got fresh water? You just got salt water, don't you? The bitter water has overtaken the fresh water. Now, I'm not a farmer by any stretch of any imagination. But we have some farmers in the house of the Lord this evening. One in particular I know grows a wonderful garden every year. I'm going to pick on you a little bit, Brother Charles. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to answer it as honestly as you can. Did you plant tomatoes this year? Did you pick any green beans off your tomato plants? Okay. I wanted to make sure because I planted tomatoes and I didn't get no green beans off my tomato plants either last year. Not a single one. That's the same idea, James. We get it. We laughed, right? Brother Jason, you're a worse farmer than you thought you was. You can't get green beans off a tomato plant. I know. You can't get figs off a grapevine. You can't get olives off a fig tree. What is James saying to us? He's saying this. If somebody blesses God with their tongue, they ought not be able to curse somebody with the same tongue. Because at the root of that plant, it should put out the blessings of God. That's what we ought to be putting out, is the blessings of God. The point is this, when we use our tongues to praise God and then curse men, we reveal something about ourselves. We see that in Matthew 15, 18. Matthew 15, 18 says that what comes out of our mouths comes from our hearts. And these things defile a man. Let me say that again. What comes out of our mouths comes from our hearts. You want to know the heart of man? 
Close your eyes and listen. Close your eyes and listen, because what comes out of the mouth comes out of the heart, and that is what defiles a man. In other words, the tongue is a window to the heart of man. The Word of God says we cannot serve two masters. We will either have a heart for Jesus or we will have a heart for the world. And the things that we say to each other are a reflection of our hearts because what comes out starts inside. So what are your words say about your hearts this evening? What do your words say about your hearts this evening? If my words do not reflect my love for Christ, why? Why not? Now, we can't tame our tongues 100% of the time. We can't tame our tongues 1% of the time. We can't. But we can change our attitudes to focus on Christ. We can let our thoughts be held captive by Christ. Colossians 3 tells us to focus on things above And then you combine that back with Matthew 15. If you begin to focus on things above, then what's inside begins to reflect those things you're focusing on from above. And then what comes out of your mouth begins to reflect what's in your heart. And what's in your heart reflects God. It's really simple. We can't tame our tongues apart from God. So if we hope to tame our tongues, we've got to have God. And we've got to be focused on Him because it's not natural for man to be able to tame his tongue. So how do we respond? One, I believe we've all said things that we shouldn't have said to one another. If you feel like whatever you've said to somebody warrants you going to that person and apologizing, then I would recommend that you do that before you leave the house of the Lord tonight. I would recommend that you do that before you leave the house of God tonight. Don't let it tarry. Don't let it linger. Go ahead and talk tonight. Talk that thing out. If you have a continuous problem with your tongue, if you know that it always seems to bite you in the backside, then I want you to come this evening. I want you to lay that at the feet of Jesus because the only way that your tongue can be held captive by God is if you give it to God, if you let him have it. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, God, we thank you for your word. God, we recognize that we are Just filthy, broken vessels, Lord God. God, we recognize that out of our mouths come all kinds of unrighteousness, Lord. God, we recognize that from our tongue spews forth things that do not reflect you. And so, God, would you convict your people in your house this very evening? That if our tongues do not reflect you, that we would ask ourselves why. And that we would place that, Jesus Christ, on you. That we would place all of our hope in your nail-scarred hands, Jesus. We would accept your grace and your mercy because apart from your grace and your mercy, we stand no chance. God, let us glorify you with our lives. And it's in your most precious name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.